What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, joined by my co-host this week, Carrie. What's up? No Micah this week. He is traveling, but happy to have Carrie back after a couple weeks off because of band practice and yeah. things of that nature. So <laughs> Me being too busy? No, nah, it's never happened. Who could have imagined? <laughs> um, I'm super glad you're here. Uh, arguably... Is this the biggest Nintendo release of the year? I'm trying to think of if there's been anything. I mean, technically, Arceus also released this year. That's true. And, um, th- that was right at the right at the start of the year. Um, so what's what's funny about Scarlet and Violet is that all I've heard about this game, like the the only narrative that's breaking through about this game, I've heard nothing about. Is the game good? Is it like a fun Pokemon game? Is it a nice evolution of the series? Just like man. Did you guys know that the Switch is like five and a half years old at this point? Here's the thing. All right. (laughs) So like everyone's talking about the performance issues with this game, which Mm -hmm. is completely understandable because there are a lot of performance issues with this game, Brad. Let me tell you. Um, But before I get into that, like, let's let's talk about the game itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are a very true open world experience um the new the new region of paldea um feels very interesting it does feel very spread out by nature of it being an open world it feels like the towns are much farther apart than they've ever been before in any previous game because they put all of this land mass in between mm-hmm. but um there's there's a lot about this game that i really like um you can do things in basically any order you want there is some degree of limitation to that though because they say like go anywhere and do anything but like you can't just run to certain gyms at first because like the gyms don't level up with mm-hmm. you like yeah there's a level 20 gym it stays the level 20 the whole time um which means that the level 50 gym is still level 50 right when you start the game. So you can't really necessarily go do things in any order. There's, there's, still, there's still definitely like a preferred order that you tackle them. In, yeah. Okay. Now I've been, there's like a preferred, like there's a list basically that you can find as far as like, here are the gyms in level order. And then there's two other sort of like main story quests, which are um, what's called Path of Legends, which has you partnering up with this dude, Arvin, um, to take down these enormous Titan Pokemon um, that have grown to an unbelievable size. Uh, and there's those are sort of, again, there's a particular order to them. And then there's the Team Star quests um, where you're basically trying to take down this team of basically juvenile delinquents of kids who are skipping school and, mm-hmm. you know, running off and being assholes elsewhere. Um, and there's a preferred order to them. So... You can you can ignore certain things up to a certain point. Um, there are literal roadblocks that the game sort of puts in front of you, though. Like, you know, the the main like the the box legendaries, like mm-hmm. the Koridon and Miraidon, um, you get right at the start of the game, but they're like super depowered, and you can't hmm. use them in battle. But you can use them to traverse the environment because they both look like motorcycles, right? So Coridon and Miraidon power up through what you get from the Titan Pokemon quests. 
And so, like, they won't be able to swim or to glide or to climb until you've defeated a certain amount of the Titan Pokemon and have your motorcycle dragon consume what those Pokemon are sort of protecting. Um, so that means like, cool, you can't go to the water area until your dude knows how to swim. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like you have to do that area in order to go b- back and then go to the water part. Again, sort of a built-in roadblock. And then literally the Team Star people throw up actual barricades in areas that they have sort of taken over so you have to go in and defeat them mm-hmm. before you can sort of even move on to the next town in some cases. So what you're telling me is that like when they're like, hey, do this in any order you want, like it's, you know, all that jazz. Like that was more just for the back of the box bullet point than an actual. Yeah. So like, here's the thing. I have been doing things in an unusual order compared to um, like what I probably should have been doing mm-hmm. i went and did some stuff i was really under leveled for and then i went back and then i was like 15 levels over leveled for a certain gym leader and just wiped them out in you know so, one hit ko's every turn so is it like is it like a souls game where if you wander into an area that you're not supposed to be in like you're just gonna get your teeth kicked in without really yes. any warning yeah because okay. the wild pokemon are s- scaled up in certain areas too mm-hmm. So, like, you'll walk into an area and, like, you know, start a Pokemon fight and you'll be level 25 and they'll be level 50 and you're like, oh, shit. Okay. So does, I'm so not, does probably the game, not supposed to be here yet. So does the game, like, signpost you in, on, like, the preferred path or is it really just, like, hey, figure not it out? Not really. I mean, it's very much, hey, figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, I've been going sort of around and be like, oh, well. I can't climb up that cliff yet. So I guess I have to go defeat another Titan Pokemon. Well, where's a Titan Pokemon on the map that I can access? Okay. I guess I'll go do that. That's on the other side of the map. Okay. While I'm over on this other side of the map, maybe I'll knock out another gym leader or two. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, take out the operation starfall people and whatnot. So it's the, the game does do a decent, like it, it lets you into large swaths of the map at any given time Mm -hmm. um but it's not forcing you into a particularly linear progression um you will however have to complete all three sort of main story quests in order to like get to the end game content Mm -hmm. so very cool so i mean i like all the gym leaders I i think what's nice about having these sort of three main story quests is now you basically have like a challenge on your plate for every single different like Pokemon typing, like outside of the eight gym badges, you then have the five Titan Pokemon and the five um, team star leaders. And every single one of them is a, is a unique typing. So like, it's, it's kind of cool. Like it, it does sort of mean that you have to prepare to face a challenge of every single type and you have to sort of balance your party accordingly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's fun to see. Um, I think the last time we sort of saw a um, a Pokemon try and try and incorporate all types rather than just like eight um, was in Sun and Moon because they had all like the they they didn't do gyms they had like the island trials so that I liked that about that and I like I like it about this too. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
the stories themselves are pretty fun. Like the characters are all good and like full of personality and like despite the performance issues, which again, I'll, I'll get into in a second, um, are animated with a lot of very unique personality. Like clearly a lot of thought went into how the characters are designed and how they behave in battle. Cause mm-hmm. like you can see them in the background. Um, you know, I, I like the thought and the care put into how not just all of the human trainers, but how all of the Pokemon have been, um, infused with a degree of personality that was not necessarily possible in earlier generations. Um, I like the seamless nature between, you know, wan- wandering around and popping into a Pokemon battle. There's not the screen anymore. It's just like <laughs> you're in, like you're, mm-hmm. you're in the battle now, whether it's a trainer battle or a um, wild Pokemon fight. That's really cool. Um yeah, I mean, I'm having a lot of fun with it, but like, god damn, this game performs so fucking badly. And it doesn't make any sense to me that this game performs so badly because Arceus, Arceus had some quibbly little issues and whatnot, but it wasn't this bad. And sure, the Switch is a five and a half year old piece of hardware. No one's debating that at this point. Mm-hmm. You probably should have gotten an upgrade a couple years ago, but I have to imagine the supply chain issues caused by COVID um, have largely been the reason as to why that hasn't happened yet. The Switch is a game that can run The Witcher. Right. The Switch is a game that can run Monster Hunter Rise mm-hmm. um, without major frame rate drops. Like Yeah, it, but, at, but at a seriously degraded like resolution though. And I don't think that they were going, it, it sure, looks like, like they're the, trying the to have their cake and eat it for too. Pokemon are not super duper high resolution. Well, it's not, it, it's not just about textures. the graphics themselves though, because like the problem, the, the issue that you run into when you have an open world game is that now you're running, now you're worried about things like draw distances and you're worried about right. like, like, you know, like how does this thing look, you know, that's way over here that you can kind of see, but, but not yeah. really. And, but to your point, like they put out Arceus, which was very similar in scope. And there, I didn't really hear a lot of complaints about Arceus. Whereas I'm seeing like online, a lot of very memeable, like performance hiccups. It's, <laughs> it's astounding to me how badly this game performs. And, and again, I don't think, I don't think I can sit and be like, well, it's because the switch is mm-hmm. an old piece of hardware. Like I'm sure that has something to do with it. But again, you see other games that are, I would say just as if not more so demanding than what's trying to be rendered here. Mm-hmm. So like, why is it ha- like, I, I don't know if it was like a rushed timeline. I don't know if, I mean, that's, was I mean, it to, just crunch? Like To me, to me, the rush timeline seems the most likely culprit because yeah. like, this is the first time ever where we've gotten two, different like not it, this isn't like the you know the 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 combined version pokemon game no, no we've gotten two is... distinct pokemon games in in the course of the calendar year right we had arceus um which is considered by the pokemon company to be a mainline entry and then we got scarlet and violet um and i i feel like scarlet and violet could have used six more months mm-hmm of time in the oven um just to fix these you know the code isn't optimized there's clearly shit going on 
in terms of like how the game is running. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and I wonder honestly if like that was Nintendo's pressure because like they, I mean, I don't know that they predicted Splatoon three would be as successful as it is because in Japan, like that game is selling like insane yeah. numbers. Um, but aside from that, like there wasn't really another big hitter that they had coming out this holiday season. Yeah. So. so I, I guess I, that that would be my best guess. Now, mm. obviously, there are ways to patch these things. There are hot fixes that can be deployed. I like to hold out some degree of cautious optimism um, to the idea that you know, two weeks from now they'll they'll roll out a patch that fixes some of this, and then a month after that they'll fix some more and whatnot, and that eventually this game won't have these kind of issues. But like. It really sucks to have a game that has so much of what I and other longtime Pokemon fans have been asking for. Um, but then it's like, okay, cool. I'm standing in the middle of town and there's this enormous windmill that's supposed to be the sort of centerpiece of this particular area. And like it's moving as like it's as like it's ticks on a clock. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious to to see the frame rate stuttering, particularly on stuff that's happening in the background. Like, why can't the windmill fucking rotate in a way that's smooth just because there's like three other characters on the screen right now? Like, and that's what sucks is because like. I don't I'm not going to sit here and be like Scarlet and Violet are bad games because they're not because in many ways they are another step forward for the franchise in terms of how these games are played and the kind of stories and characters that they're introducing and the open world nature that people have been asking for for literally the last decade, um, if not longer in, in some cases. But compared to Arceus, it it feels like. It feels like a one step forward, two steps back kind of deal mm-hmm. in terms of like the way these games run and um, how playable they are. Like, and, what, well, you know, like, it's, it's, <laughs> it, well, it's funny because it's, it's a case study of the power that like expectations have over us. Because if this were like a game being put out by Bethesda, like this would mm-hmm. almost be par for the course. Like this would be well, totally that's acceptable. the thing, you know. <laughs> I don't even know that I would I don't know that I would agree with that because like as someone who has played a lot of Bethesda games um, and someone who has enjoyed other janky as shit experiences such as Sonic the Hedgehog and Three Dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, it This is probably the first time that like this level of jank has like impacted how much I am enjoying the game. Like it's so distracting at times, the pop-ins from wild Pokemon, like they give your motorcycle dragon the ability to dash, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can just tear ass through these huge open environments, which, you know, you think, obviously that's great. Like I I'm riding a dragon that looks like a motorcycle. Obviously I want to go fast. Right. But it's almost slower to do it that way because wild Pokemon will spawn directly in front of you and you can't avoid them. So you're running into battle after battle because the game literally cannot keep up with how fast it has allowed you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe that's a feature, not a bug so that they could keep, keep the spirit <laughs> of random battles in the, in, in the Pokemon series. Yeah. The, the random pop-ins from wild Pokemon and even honestly from, from characters as well. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, as it is right now, this is like a 
six or seven out of 10 kind of experience, um, which is disappointing because it could be an eight or nine out of 10, but um, the the performance performance issues is just, is just nuts. Now, am I still going to keep playing it? Absolutely. I am. I'm still like, I'm, I'm like four Titan Pokemon down and six gym badges in at this point. Like I, I very much want to see sort of like, all right, like where's, there hasn't been like a big antagonistic thing show up yet. Like something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. There's a giant crater at the center of this region that we were told the beginning of the game, don't go there, which we're obviously going to go there. Um, So I, I want to know what happens story-wise and you know, it sounds to me then like, if you're not like a diehard, then it's probably best to wait and wait until they have a chance to hopefully work through some of these performances. I would say if you haven't yet bought it and you have other things to play and there's plenty of other stuff to play right now. Um, I, I, I would say wait and see if they can fix some of this stuff. Cause the way that the game is now, like I had the game fucking crash on me multiple times while playing like mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck, but I'm going to keep pushing through. Um, and I feel like it should say a lot that like I of all people, someone who literally I have a fucking Pokemon shirt on right now. I have multiple Pokemon tattoos um, that even I'm just sort of like, you know, I could put this down and I could play a more polished experience like Sonic <laughs> Frontiers. <laughs> like, a, fr- a phrase nobody expected to say. Right. Ever. Um well, if you'd like another polished experience to check out that wouldn't uh, that I am very you. curious about this game that you've been playing. Brad. Yeah. So I, I picked up. So I, I Pentiment was a game that was announced um, back during Summer Games Fest. And mm-hmm. a lot of people were very excited about it because it was being directed by Josh Sawyer, who I think was the former narrative lead on Fallout New, Fallout Vegas, New Vegas specifically. Yeah. Um, and it looked interesting because here is this game and it had like this woodcut, you know, 16th century art style. That was, he was also the director on New Vegas. Oh, he was the director on New Vegas. Okay. Yeah. And this was like a very story driven experience and it just seemed very off the beaten path. And I said, wow, this is the, you know, the style looks cool. Um, I, I'm definitely into the, the theme of the game, which is like 16th century Bavarian village going through the Lutheran, <laughs> the Lutheran reformation of the church kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, big story games like not like really the story is the game. There's not really gameplay to speak of. Um, I don't know if it's for me. And then it came out and everyone everywhere was raving about this game. It got ridiculously high review scores. Um, people were just talking about how just amazing an experience it was. I'm like, all right, well, you know, 20 bucks. We'll uh, we'll give it a roll. And hey, if oh, you have Game Pass, 20 bucks. And, yeah. And if, and if you get if you Game Pass, it's on Game Pass as well. So I don't have Game Pass. Yeah. Yeah. So I started playing it and I am $20. <laughs> I started playing Pentiment and I am hooked. Um, and I didn't expect to be at all. So the, the premise of the game is you are playing, uh, Andreas Mahler, who is a journeyman, um, uh, painter or like artist, um, that's kind of doing his, uh, kind of finishing his, uh, novice, you know, journeyman work at this, Bavarian village uh, at an abbey in there kind of working part-time in the scriptorium that's in this place and also working on his like, you know, his masterpiece that he can graduate to being a master. And while you're there, uh, this murder happens um, with this gentleman that you meet pretty early on in the game. And you kind of get wrapped up in investigating 
the murder mystery. And kind of what that entails is going around to different areas of the town and speaking to folks and trying to suss out like who had the motive to do this, who had the means, like how, like how, who could have possibly done this. And that's really all I want to say about the story because it definitely goes in some interesting directions. But the thing that's really intriguing about this game is that it's not, it's taking a topic that hasn't been approached too much because games love to avoid um, Christianity and, and, and things about Christianity because it's a, it can be a hot button issue um, <laughs> to, to say the least. And even less is really referred to in games about like the Lutheran reformation, which is a part of Christian history that I'm particularly interested in. It's a very specific point in, yes. in history as well. Yeah. And, and, and as someone who like, despite being an atheist, um, is very much into Christian history and theology, cause it's, <laughs> I find it fascinating. Um, this has been really great, but what's super cool is that the way the characters are depicted, um, are very down to earth, not caricatures, not like over the top, like portrayals of what you might expect from like a 15th century or 16th century Bavarian village, like, and, and expect to have all these like kind of tropes and archetypes. They're really portrayed as, real people that are, and you kind of feel like the struggle to just get through the day. And you really feel kind of like the class separation in this village between the peasants and the townsfolk. And then, you know, the clergy that sit literally on top of the hill in the Abbey, like looking down over Mm. kind of the rest of the village. And that, and that frames a lot of how the thoughts are. And it doesn't like, it doesn't shy away from issues of the time that don't typically make it in history textbooks but that we kind of forget, like, people are people, and people are going to do things that people do. So, like, you encounter, like, like at one point in the game, you can encounter, like, this one monk and this one sister that are in the Abbey are actually, like, a couple and, like, ha- like have the secret relationship going on. And, like, if you try to tell people about it, they're like, yeah, like, like just just shut up. Like, like. Like, yeah, we get it, but just, yeah. you know, just keep it, yeah, just, just chill. Like, like just, it's not, yeah, it's not like, cause people know, but people are just like, look, they're happy. Like we're not trying, cares? we're not, yeah, we're not trying to mess with anyone's spot here. Um, nice. things of that nature. And the other thing that's cool as well is that time in this game is persistent. So it's not one of those games where you can literally turn over every rock and, you know, pull at every thread. When you set yourself to do something and, and go on an activity with somebody to kind of learn more information, it is taking up that part of the day from you. And so you choosing to do one activity may mean you don't get to do the other activity. Um, and you only have a set amount of time before kind of things come to a head with investigating um, what happened with this murder, because, because you find that like one of your friends in the scriptorium um, was found with the body and he's been falsely, falsely accused trying to clear his name. Um, and so like, <coughs> excuse me, as you go through the game, you're not given perfect information and you're, and that's, what's kind of interesting is you're just kind of forced to use the information you have and solve things as best as possible. And that's your experience. Like if, if you feel unsure or if you have like a bunch of half, half leads that, you know, don't really bear out, then that's just going to be what it is. And you're just going to have to kind of deal with the consequences of that situation. And it has knock on effects um, that kind of persists throughout the story based on things that happen. And I kind of like not really being able to have full control of the situation. Cause a lot of times in games like this, like you just have as much time as you need to, 
you know, to talk to everybody and to kind of do everything. But I feel like in this game, like there is no definitive right answer as you're going through and kind of poking at, you know, different motives and things like that. Like you're just kind of make the best guess. And then that guess is going to have like real far ranging consequences. Um, And then the kind of driving narrative over top of this is there's this mysterious um, notes that you're finding around town uh, that were written by a very distinct hand. And that's kind of like the, the, the overarching like mystery that's going on um, alongside this murder mystery. It's a really interesting game. Um, Like I said, having a lot of fun playing it. And if you're looking for something that a little bit different um, (coughs) doesn't, you know, it's not going to take you 30 hours to beat. I think it's like a 10, 15 hour game Uh, and you're willing to get a shot. I would, I would definitely recommend checking it out. If this sounds interesting and if you're into just kind of a really story and narrative driven experience. Well, I just bought it on Steam, so I well, didn't take back. <laughs> to, as soon as you were like, it's twenty dollars, I was like, I got twenty bucks. Oh yeah, I, I, I can burn twenty dollars. Um, yeah, and and even for some and reason, even I like it was more expensive than that. And even Andreas, who's the character that you're portraying, like you kind of have a lot of agency over his characterization and things that he feels and and kind of emotions. Because one of the other things is he's like. He's been betrothed to some woman back home that he's never met. So he knows that like going home is going to be, you know, it, that, like like he's kind of angsty to go home because he's never met this woman. But he wants to do right. by. he's kind of like the black sheep of his family. And you can kind of, you know, play that into your portrayal. You can role play a little bit in the Andreas role. <laughs> the other thing that's really neat is that as you go through the game, you get to, um, kind of add flourishes to the character, to your character's background. And that has real effects um, as well as how, as far as different experiences you can have in the game. So one of the things for my character is they're like, Oh, where did you study, you know, beforehand? And you're like, and I was like, okay, I was, I was like in, in Brussels, in Belgium. And you know, I can speak Flemish pretty well and things that things that uh, nature. And so later in the game, there were the, I came upon these group of folks that I was uh, trying to talk to about, something that was going on in the town, but all they spoke was Italian. So I couldn't understand what they were saying. I was kind of reliant on my friend to translate bits and pieces for me. But if earlier in the game, if I had picked, Oh, I studied in Italy, I could have understood that entire conversation because like I said, because I was Italian. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and again, <clears throat> sorry, I've had a hell of a throat week <laughs> the past week or so. Um, so like I said, it's, it's one of those games where you kind of have to be willing to, realize that you're only going to have like 25% of the possible experiences that you can have in the game and kind of make that your story. And then if you want to go back later and play it a different way to kind of see things that you missed, I guess you can do that. Um, but it seems to me like this game would be really, it's, it's a really fun game to experience the first time through before you know what's really going to happen. Nice. Cool. I will uh, look forward to playing that probably over this holiday weekend a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did see about the game that I, you know, myself as fucking nerd really liked was the uh, amount of work that went into the fonts. Oh yeah. That's that. I, I didn't even mention that part. So like, not only are there like a shitload of fonts in the game, but the fonts that are used are based on how Andreas sees the character that he's talking to, like how his perception of them is. And so, like, when you're talking to, like, the clergy, they have these very, like, you know, these very authoritative, you know, gothic-looking fonts that look very polished and everything. But when you're talking to a peasant, 
they have like this very like drawn out script, you know, that they that that's kind of written in there. Plus, another thing that'll happen is that as characters are talking, there will occasionally be like typos in the text that's on the on the screen. Hmm. And so what will happen is like you'll see like the, it'll get spelled out and then like they'll erase like the typo and they'll actually like put in the word. It's just it, it just kind of like communicates different dialects yeah, yeah. and how people speak to each other. Um, they also do this very cool thing where if there's like a proper noun in the game, um, you can it's it's underlined and you can hit the like the select button and it kind of zooms out and makes it look like like you're seeing the game as part of a page of a book. And it has just like a little definition for all of the underlying words that are right there. It's kind of very seamless. Um, so you can just kind of pause. What does this mean? Zoom back in again. They do that for like a lot of the Latin phrases and stuff like that. And it's it's really interesting because even mid-conversation, this could flip. Because I was talking to someone who Andreas like, you know, perceived as someone who was a very low education, kind of a peasant person. And once he realized, like, oh, they're actually quite smart, like, they're, you know, they're educated, it literally erased, like, the peasant font and replaced it with, like, the normal, like, serif font that Andreas uses when he's talking to people. So, again, a lot, lot of lot of really <coughs> interesting ways that characterization of characters is communicated just through how the dialogue's presented um, in the game, which is, again, very unique and something that I've never really seen used before. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Pretty dope. Yeah. Well, uh, if if you want to talk about Pentiment or Pokemon or World Cup soccer, you can do that over at the <laughs> Discord. Uh, our Discord is live and has been live for a hot minute now. Um, if you go to densepixels.com slash fans, that will take you to our Discord uh, where you can hang out. You can submit your uh, questions of the week. All sorts of other good stuff. Um, I, I, just today, I added a channel for World Cup mm-hmm. soccer discussion. So that's going to be a thing for the next what few weeks. I don't. Yeah, know US, USA I'm, played their first match against Wales today. Wales. Yeah, uh, we're leading one one nil until about the eighty second minute, and they Wales tied it. And, well, and the United one draw. Wales has been underestimated before, and uh, people have paid a hard price for that too. Um, <laughs> Uh, my family background is Welsh. That's that's all I got for you today. Um, also, while you are on the internet, you can head to youtube.com slash dense pixels and hit that subscribe button. Uh, that helps us with uh, the terrible, terrible algorithms that YouTube uses to promote content. Um, and uh, you can see our two beautiful pale faces here on the internet. Uh, and I got my hair dyed, so you can check out my 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 updated color um and uh heck while you're there you can also subscribe to um the other uh tnp studio shows that are also on youtube such as uh the nerdpocalypse and uh coming distractions and uh shit while you're online if you're not already subscribed to the podcast version of this fine show here uh make sure you do you should be subscribing to all of the tnp studios podcasts wherever you get your podcasts spotify apple i'm sure there are others other Uh, (laughs) (laughs) fucking i don't know uh nerdpocalypse black on black cinema coming distractions and the weekly preview episode of look forward which has been spicy as always um and then uh, you can also subscribe to uh, Dense, uh, TNP Studios Premium by going to densepixels.com slash premium, which is $5 a month, $50 for a year. That helps us 
with uh, hosting costs and whatnot, because uh, that shit ain't free. And that gives you access to the full premium slate of podcasts, including the airing of grievances, No Time to Bleed, The Men with the Golden Tongues, Upstage Conversation, and full episodes of the Look Forward Political Podcast. And maybe if we do that show we talked about doing a couple weeks ago, where I'm subjected to all of the 1980s action movies that I haven't seen, uh, maybe that'll be on premium too. Yeah. As soon as we figure that out. I'll, like, like I said, I, 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 I already came up with a tentative title for it. I haven't oh, shared shit. yet. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm I'm actually genuinely really excited to uh to to do this experiment. <laughs> yeah. So, um very cool. So, in the news this week we go. Um and there's a decent bit of it. Yeah, some some heavy hitter stories. Um most notably uh the fact that apparently uh Blizzard, Activision Blizzard to be more precise, and NetEase, uh who they had been partnering with in China uh for several years now at this point, um that partnership appears to be uh, on the rocks uh, to the point where as of January 23rd of next year, um, Blizzard games will not be playable in China. Uh, World of Warcraft, Overwatch, Hearthstone, Diablo 3, Heroes of the Storm, and StarCraft um, are kaputsky afterwards. Now, notably not affected is Diablo Immortal. That's under a different agreement because that was developed in partnership uh, mm. with NetEase and not just part of a sort of licensing agreement. Um the the CEO of NetEase, um, or sorry, the president of Global Investment and Partnership, um, blames a quote jerk who did damage behind the scenes for the reason uh, of the falling out, which I he didn't really, you know, uh, really put into context. Um, their CEO also put out a statement saying that they've tried to negotiate with sincerity with Activision Blizzard to continue the collaboration of their material differences on key terms, and they could not reach an agreement. Now, what's interesting is that they still plan on releasing like the Dragonflight expansion for World of Warcraft, which comes out in a couple of weeks um, or actually next week as, as, as that soon. And, but that's still like part of the deal where it's going to stop. So you, so if you're in China, you buy that expansion, you can play it for two months then you're done. Yep. Well, this uh, this feels like a way to lose a lot of revenue, basically, because. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're I think they're OK um, since Immortal is still there. Like, I think if they were losing Immortal, because that's that's them breaking into the mobile games market, um, which is much a much bigger deal in Asia than it is in the US. Even um, I think they'd be a little more concerned about this. And yeah. maybe that's maybe they were trying to play some hardball because they were just like, look, like you guys are making a shitload of money off of Immortal. Like maybe we should see a little bit more coming our way in this deal. Um, no, no clue how the pending uh, acquisition by Microsoft uh, factored into these issues as well. There's literally no mention of Microsoft um, in the article on Eurogamer that we're looking at. Um, so that's very interesting as well. But they're going to continue working together um, with Diablo Immortal because, again, that game is making a shitload of money. And so they don't want to, you know, kill the golden goose, as the old saying goes. Um, but, yeah, that's a that's a big bummer for gamers in China. Um, you know, very difficult anyway to get games over there as it is um, just because of the tight control that the Chinese government has uh, with pretty much any media in the country. So um, it's going to be a big loss. And, and honestly, it's just going to open the door um, for somebody else to kind of slide in and, and take those players um, if they're uh, if they're still lingering out there, so we'll see. Yep. 
Oh boy, this next story is a weird one, but I had to include it because it is as weird as it is. So back in 2020, and we may have talked about this mm-hmm. when it first happened, um, Cooking Mama Cookstar released, which was the first Cooking Mama game um, since 2008 to be on consoles. Oh, really? um, yeah, there were a couple of other like small handheld releases since then on like the 3DS and whatnot, but mm-hmm. um people like wanted a console version of cooking mama for reasons I personally don't understand, but whatever. Um, it, you know, there was like, Oh, a new console cooking mama game. Cool. Cooking mama cook star. And then it came out in 2020 and it was briefly available on the switch eShop. Mm-hmm. And then an announced PS4 version had been listed, but then not released. So people were like, Hmm. And then there were some, um, rumors that the game was u- acting as a crypto miner. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm now, I'm now vaguely remembering the story. It was Very like, vaguely. oh, this is like, this is going to use your system to mine crypto. It's got blockchain built in. Um, and then this whole deal broke down between like the developer and the publisher and the holder of the IP. Mm-hmm. So the um, developer was Office Create Core, and the holder, the IP holder, was Office Create. Um, and um, basically, uh, the the publisher, the IP holder, said Cookstar didn't meet its quality standards. Um, sorry, first playable was the developer. So mm-hmm. Office Create was the IP holder. Um. Basically, first playable um, went, hey, here's our game. And Office Create Core went, uh, this isn't good. What's this blockchain shit? And then, like, their, like, third-party publishing partner, Planet Entertainment, fucking released it anyway. (laughs) And so the IP holders were like, hold up. We didn't approve this. What is this bullshit? Um, so there's basically been all this like legal back and forth over the last two years. Um, that uh, ultimately was decided that uh, in favor of the IP holder saying uh, the publisher, Planet Entertainment and the developer were not authorized to release the game, which um, basically turns Cooking Mama Cookstar into a bootleg <laughs> <laughs> Cooking Mama game, which is very funny. Um, uh, the uh, decision says that Planet Entertainment now now owes Office Create more than twenty point nine million in profits, which is wild. Um, I guess the game went back on sale at some point, but okay. um, yeah. Uh, what a weird! What a weird story. A really weird story where basically the the sort of third party people who they who the IP holder had allowed to develop this game and and put this game together submitted a game for approval. It wasn't approved. They put it out anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, now they owe the IP holder a lot of money. So, well, and and I I totally understand them trying to protect the good name of the Mama franchise, uh, a game <laughs> a a, a, fran- a series that also had. Uh, if you remember babysitting mama, I sure do remember Wii. babysitting mama. That I remember those terrible dolls. Yeah, so it literally came with like a baby doll that you had to shove a Wii remote up its ass. 
uh, to to control um, what you did with the baby uh, in the game. Yep. So uh, very interesting. I know my wife liked those early Cooking Mama games that were on the DS. Um, we never did. Yeah, I liked you know. the early couple ones. Like the the first one came out in two thousand and six um, on the DS, and you know it was a cute little. It was it. It was almost like a fun tech demo for mm -hmm. like the touchscreen on the DS um, and sort of the capabilities for it. So I don't know. I had fun with the first Cooking Mama game. I have not played one since. So <laughs> who knows? The, um, uh, the final the final big news story of the week uh, is that Yuji Naka has finally <laughs> been arrested for the crime for his crime of bringing Sonic the Hedgehog. To life. No, the, the bigger <laughs> crime is Bowser's Underworld, and you know it. The actual crime that he was arrested for apparently was insider trading, um, where he and two other men uh, have been reported to be, have been arrested and charged with insider trading in Japan, uh, connected to Square Enix, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, not really sure what the uh, trading was revolved around, like what specific. Uh, kind of inside knowledge they had um, of what was going on square. But uh, Yuji Naka was accused of purchasing shares worth uh, 2.8 million yen, which is about $16,000 American or British pound sterling, which is about the same as it is in dollars right now um, in aiming, which is a Japanese developer that square partnered with to make a dragon quest mobile game uh, before the company's involvement was public knowledge. Um, yeah, insider trading is one of those things that uh, you don't really want to fuck around with um, because all the, you know, regulatory bodies around uh, markets in <laughs> pretty much every country, it seems like, uh, does yeah. not take that shit lying down. No, no. Um, yeah, Yuji Naka being arrested for insider trading was not on my 2022 bingo card, <laughs> I got to say. Um <laughs> But uh, it, it did it did result in some really funny takes like uh, breaking news. Yuji Naka has escaped custody by jumping out of a helicopter and sliding down a series <laughs> of steep city streets using a piece of debris as a snowboard. The government has deployed their fleet of massive semi trucks to contain this threat. Um, what, a, yeah, what, a, what an unfortunate timing thing for him, because in the, around the same time that Sonic Frontiers releases and it is apparently not a dumpster fire. Uh, Yuji Naka. No, apparently it's prison. fun and good. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk when we get to the post office. People at people had questions for me specifically yeah. about Sonic Frontiers. So I don't think Yuji Naka had anything to do with Sonic Frontiers. I don't think he did either. But still, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, a bastard creation of his uh, of his <laughs> warped mind, the same warped mind uh, that requires him to trade uh, with inside. It wasn't just Enix. Yuji Naka. It was al also Naoto Oshima who created <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. You can't give all the credit to Yuji Naka. You blame. Exactly Carrie, blame is what I'm giving to, to Yuji Naka. <laughs> You're terrible. Sonic is good. I'll go down with this ship. You poor, you poor brainwashed child. Well, Lacey, we'll talk about it when we get to the post office. I have, <laughs> I right, have well, some thoughts on Sonic Frontiers. All right, I'm sure you do. Um, well, meanwhile, if you want to buy some Sonic merchandise, and boy, howdy, there's a lot of it these days, uh, you can do that on Amazon. So you go to densepixels.com slash Amazon, you shop as normal, we get a little teeny tiny little, they skirt a little bit off the top, you know, just enough so that um, Mr. Bezos doesn't really notice on his uh, bottom line how much is missing. And, uh, and yeah, then we get to 
again, it, it helps us helps us keep the lights on here at ye old dense pixels podcast. So before, uh, before, boy, howdy. Before before we get to the post office, uh, if you have two hours of time, <laughs> um, highly recommend spending that going on to YouTube, finding the H Bomber guy YouTube channel um, and find out what happens when a concerted effort just to make a video about the origins of the Minecraft or of the Roblox, Roblox oof, sound. oof noise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, leads to a two-hour uh, demolishing of video game uh, audio uh, notor. You know, I I don't want to call him legend because he would call no, himself legend. He would um, call himself a legend. Uh, Tommy Tallarico, uh, who I always kind of knew was like he had major like douchebag energy. Dude, he- <sighs> did not realize that he was just like a Trumpian level. Just like Yo. everything he breathes and speaks is just like an incredible lie. It's astounding. So, yeah, I put this on the docket because this came out over the weekend and the complete step by step demolishment of Tommy Tallarico's abundance of lies. Like, he cannot stop lying. And you know that he's a pathological liar because he tells the same lies over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And he tells them exactly the same way every single time. Tommy Tallarico, who um, more recently has been known for the um, so far wildly failed experiment <laughs> of reviving in television and the Amico console, um, which uh, raised several millions of dollars in investor funds to try and uh, bring this subpar piece of shit plastic trash to the living rooms of um, uninformed Karens everywhere. Uh, Again, like they've been trying to raise money and put out the uh, um, television Amico console since 2018 and um, still hasn't come out yet. Um, but previously, Tommy Tallarico was known um, primarily for um, running the uh, symphony tour called Video Games Live mm-hmm. um, and otherwise was someone who wrote music for mostly mediocre video games with Earthworm Jim really being the one exception mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, who out here has really... Uh, spent a lot of time sinking, sinking a ton of time into uh, Casper Spirit Dimensions, or Devastation, or a, a, I guess Advent Rising was a game that. But released. but Carrie didn't didn't you know that he worked hand in hand and was handpicked by Shigeru Miyamoto to work on Metroid Prime. Miyamoto to work on Metroid Prime. Um, golly, I mean, it's, it's such a takedown of someone who experienced like a whiff of what fame is in like the late nineties and early two thousands on, um, I guess mid two thousands was when he was doing the shows on G4, like electric playground and whatnot. Um, and just 
has been chasing that dragon ever since, man. Like, yeah. and, and, and it's funny because again, like I mentioned, I, I called like the way he kind of carries himself as Trumpian because like the lies that he tells are like easily disprovable. Like, yes. like, like one of the things like he, a, yeah, one of the, one of the things Google he lies shirt. about, he's like, oh, like I, you know, I put on the, the largest symphony show ever attended and it had 700,000 people, except that the venue that he put it on at hold held like a hundred thousand people. Like it wasn't. Well, here's the thing. Except the venue that he claimed that it was at held a hundred thousand people and the venue it was actually yes, held at yeah. held 2000 people. Yeah. So it's just like, like what the fuck are you like talking about? Like it's, it's, it, so it's like the lie where it's like, Oh, like there were a million and a half people at this inauguration and this photograph proves it. And it's like, no, that that's, that's a lie, dude. Like we can, I have eyes. I can see. Yeah. We can see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, ultimately the, this it's essentially a documentary about, um, not just the, the oof noise. It started with the oof noise Mm -hmm. because the oof noise we found out was from a game called Messiah. Um, and, someone at some point ripped the noise out of this game and put it into like a sort of sound effects pack Mm -hmm. that the Roblox developers purchased. They didn't like Roblox didn't go into Messiah and rip the sound out of that and put it in their game. Um, This was some, you know, somewhere someone just copy pasted this noise into like a development kit, something like that. Right. Um, And it's so telling, like the series of tweets that Tommy put out where first, you know, he he the first thing he said was, oh, that that's from the game Messiah, which like my studio worked on, which meant Joey Callis made this noise. And then he clearly did like a search as far as the popularity of the noise in meme culture, deleted his original tweet mm-hmm. and then said, oh, we we made that. And then it became, I made that. (laughs) And this is, Tommy Tallarico is a guy who wants unyielding credit and attention Mm -hmm. and fame. He wants to be a rock star. He clearly so desperately wants to be a rock star. If you look at photos of him performing with video games live, Um, this is a guy who very, very much thinks of himself as like a hardcore rock star. Um, But he just wants attention and recognition for the work of others that he's he's going to claim as himself. He's certainly going to get a lot of attention. Yeah. I mean, the funniest thing about this whole documentary though, is that this could have serious legal repercussions Mm -hmm. for Tommy Tallarico because Tommy Tallarico, who cannot stop himself from lying claimed in investor videos <laughs> that certain people from the industry were working for him on the Amico. They were not working for him. And uh, here's a fun thing about lying in investor pitches is um, that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> misrepresenting your product to people who are going to give you money for that product and misrepresenting your company for people who are to people who are going to give you money for your company based on the expectations that you set. That's called securities fraud. And uh, I may have only worked in financial reporting for about a year, but I'm pretty sure that's really fucking illegal and you're not allowed to do that. So if anyone who invested money into the Amico on any of their 
crowdfunding platforms over the last four years. Um, I, I sort of have a feeling that there's probably some lawyers drafting up some big time class actions against well, the television. What, and so it's funny. Rico. What's funny is that the crowdfunding websites are he's probably protected there because the terms and conditions are kind of written. Well, I don't know. We'll see. It's it could be interesting. I'd be more worried about like the venture capitalist uh, money. That too. Raised. I mean, yeah, because he did get some venture capitalist stuff, yeah. too, because those those um, people can also afford to fucking have expensive attorneys to, to kind of roll after you like that. So, uh, yeah. So, so more to come. Um, anyway. But yeah, more more than I ever cared to learn about Tommy Tellerico, a guy that I was pretty sure uh, was kind of a D-bag uh, in the first place. And, and yeah. <laughs> to a higher degree than I could have ever imagined. He sucks and he has always sucked. Um, now, here's the other thing. If uh, on, on the topic of YouTube documentaries, um, I cannot recommend enough pairing the new Defunct Land piece with the uh, H-Bomber guy uh roblox oof noise mm. uh yeah it's basically like the defunct land goes into um basically we learn a lot about a composer who um never sought out any credit for the incredible prolific amount of work that he put out um and was content to be a uh faceless musician with mm. an incredible level of legacy out there um so yeah if if again if you're like Man, I I don't know what to do with all this free time on this holiday weekend. Watch the H bomber guy, oof, Roblox noise documentary, and then go to Defunct Land and watch the Disney Channel Jingle documentary. <laughs> so, uh, quick trip to the post office. Then, actually, you guys filled it up in a hurry, which is yeah. awesome. Um, I literally put that in halfway <laughs> through. <laughs> Recording the show, and I was like, "Shit, we don't have any questions in the post office." And so, th- so this isn't in the post office. I know somebody asked me about Sonic Frontiers and kind of the reaction to Sonic Frontiers. Um, I've never seen more fawning over a seven out of ten video game in my entire life. Such such is the Stockholm syndrome that has been that that is evident on in the brains of Sonic the Hedgehog fans. They're like, like, like so many people are just like, man, this game's definitely like a seven, but what a seven it is. Like it's, it's like a 10 in some parts and like a five and others, but still like the parts that are a 10 are a 10. I just find it interesting. Well, I still haven't, I still haven't played it yet. Um, I mean, at this point, uh, I will probably wait for it to go on sale. Oh, I'm which sure will, which will happen. Will. Yeah. Which happen It'll like happen next week. Um, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to grab it on sale because I knew if I got into Sonic Frontiers, I wouldn't be able to get into Pokemon, but in hindsight, I probably should have just fucking bought Sonic and waited for them to fix Pokemon. So gotta say really, really hope uh, P5R goes on sale on steam uh, tomorrow. So Mm. I'm really jonesing to to actually sit down and play it on steam deck, but I'm not paying $60 uh, for a five-year-old game. Um, so to the post office now, Cam, or Cam asks, what is your favorite video game ending and your least favorite video game ending? That's tough. Like. I can tell you what my favorite is. What's your favorite? You're going to laugh at this. Okay. Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> because okay. it literally lasted like 90 minutes. They managed <laughs> to enter. It's, and it's the only video game ending I've ever seen. That literally halfway through the ending introduces a new plot hole and then immediately <laughs> resolves it during resolves the it. ending. A- after you're finished playing, they're like, we're going to open up this massive, this massive gap in the plot. Oh, no. I think we're going to. No, 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 we're going to tie it off. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's inexplicable, but we're going to tie it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think at least as far as like recent stuff, um, I really enjoyed the ending of Outer Wilds. Mm-hmm. Um, something sort of moving about the way that that game ends. Um, I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to spoil it. Um, thought the ending to Breath of the Wild was lovely. Um, oh, Ghost, Ghost of Tsushima had an excellent ending. Like, like okay. what a what a fucking what a fucking banger of a uh, of a last like just kind of the way that game ends. Really cool. Like I, I I can't say enough good things about it. That uh, like like Metal Gear Solid Four is kind of like a funny answer. Like Ghost of Tsushima is probably the greatest like end game experience that I've had um, that I can remember in recent memory at least. Um, my least favorite is Golden Sun Dark Dawn. Because <laughs> it ends on a cliffhanger that will never be. Because it ends on a cliffhanger that's yeah. yet to be resolved. It's been twelve years I've been sitting on this cliffhanger. And um, I don't have a lot of hope that it's ever going to be resolved mm-hmm. at this point. I honestly think that there's going to be a remake of the first two Golden Sun games before they resolve the ending from the third game, which like, fuck, I'd be hype as shit for a Golden Sun one and two remake. Um, I think the ending of two is great. It like so neatly like resolves so many storylines um, while still leaving things sort of like open enough for them to have continued um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah the ending of golden sun dark dawn really 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 sucks um the infamous games um always stick in my head as having really poor endings um Mm. really really stick the landing poorly um two did a better job than one um one had a really bad ending and a really shitty final boss fight also um but yeah the, the the infamous games um for as cool as their story is um did not uh, did not finish the last leg very well. Hmm. Uh, Anthony has a slew of questions. The God of War one's going to have to wait for Micah uh, to come back. Um, yeah, Carrie talked about Pokemon a lot, but what was, what was the starter you picked again? I went with with the Weed Cat. Um, I uh, little Sprigatito. Um, yeah, I uh, I learned immediately that uh, there's filters in this game that prevent you from naming weed cat after weed stuff which sucks (laughs) it wouldn't let me name the cat ganja and i was so fucking mad i was like they're not gonna they're not gonna filter ganja they just filter things like fuck and the n-word right Mm. um nope they filtered ganja they also filtered spliff and i was furious (laughs) (laughs) i was i like I was so mad I couldn't name my weed cat Spliff. Did it did um, an English did an English developer at Game Freak just like call their 15-year-old niece to be like, hey, what's what's every slang term for right, weed that you can think of? I was so fucking salty about that. I ended up naming him a uh, sativa, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh one of the two um types of weed. Um apparently indica is also available. You can you can name your cat your weed cat sativa or indica, uh, but you cannot name it ganja. You cannot name it spliff. I thought spliff was a great name. Nope, game freak said nay. You stupid stoner. Not in our <laughs> not not in our game for children. Uh, let's see. Anthony also asks, "Are you still playing Marvel Snap?" Yes, uh, I am collection level six hundred and thirty right that now. Seems like a lot. It is a lot. Um, but there are people that are in the thousands, so maybe it's not actually. Uh, mm. That much. Uh, I did share with Micah that I finally got Doctor Doom. 
uh, which uh, he was very uh, I, I, he didn't say anything, but I'd like to assume that he was jealous of it. Um, he, and he says, what's your favorite deck or combo? I've really been enjoying uh, my on reveal deck that I have because I added Shang-Chi to it. And man, people really don't expect him to come out uh, on the last turn of the game. And it's really fun when he does his ability. Uh, is that he is only a three power card, which is not very much, uh, but he also mercs every nine or more power card on your opponent's side of that location uh, when he comes into play. So he uh, a lot of, a lot of people stack up some some big boys or like a devil dinosaur with that that whose power grows with more cards in your hand, uh, and then you just throw Shang Chi on the table and watch them cry uh, when you merc the entire side uh, of their table. Um, I also had one match where, which had a. Uh, through White Tiger and the fact that it was at a Camartage, which on reveal effects happened twice. Um, and the fact that I got to play Odin means that I had six Tiger Spirits on the board uh, by the time the game ended, which is a lot of Tiger Spirits. Um, that's kind of, kind of crazy. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Been enjoying nice. experimenting with some decks. And then, yeah, World Cup. Did you see that ludicrous display? Uh, always trying to walk it in. Um, look, good match today between USA and Wales. Uh, England kicked the shit out of Iran earlier today um and the qatari national team uh not very good apparently because they got beat pretty soundly by ecuador in the opening uh opening match which good uh because again this whole world cup is just a massive effort to sports watch the entire country of qatar um and a lot of crazy shits happen there and i'm really emotionally uh, conflicted having yeah, to qatar watch sucks. yeah having to watch the world cup uh for the next several weeks uh, Gerard says, been on a binge of running wild with Bear Grylls <laughs> the past couple of days. In light of that, what wild location would you go to and what crazy Jay-inspired creepy food would you eat to survive until extraction time? I think we can almost video game this question. Yeah, into I don't I don't know. Like, look, here's the thing. Um, I take a lot of foraging classes. So, like, I could survive in the woods for a few days and not starve. Mm -hmm. Um like I, I have enough knowledge in my head at this point to know which plants are safe to eat and which ones are not. So like, I don't think I would have to resort to eating bugs um, to survive. Like I could get away with like making some wild salads for a few days. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I think I'd be okay. Um, I would I'm, be I'm awful in, in a woods, <laughs> in a woods endeavor. Um, I, I, I think a lot of like food found in nature is very gross and therefore would have trouble. What do you mean by food found in nature? Like mushrooms or? Oh yeah. Mushrooms what? are disgusting. Okay. Well, yeah, they're the wrong, worst. Um, having to like kill, like actually like process a wild animal yourself that you kill for food. Would I wouldn't even have gross. to go hunting. No, yeah. I could survive. I could survive in the woods for like a, a couple days, probably not for a long time, but like for until extraction. Um, you know, on foraged plant product. I mean, I mean, look, the, 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 the human spirit is an amazing thing when pushed to the brink. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I would have to, um, but it would be very difficult for me and very harrowing. It'd be probably very similar to that episode of the office where Michael Scott was left in the woods for like three hours <laughs> and, and amazing. lost his mind. Um, Film Wander asks, anyone try Vampire Survivors? Have I tried Vampire Survivors? I'm 30, 36 hours oh, into Vampire shit. Survivors. Yeah, it's it's so good. Um, it is going to be in my top three games of the year. Okay. I don't I don't know where it will lie on that list, but it will be up there. 
It's very, very good, very addictive. Uh, I have not played. My partner's played. Um, he has played quite a bit. It it's really seems good. to be a very good game. It's really good. I don't know why they haven't put it on the Switch yet. Um, mm-hmm. Seems like a natural fit for the yeah. Switch. So, Mark says, uh, of all things, finally started playing Slay the Spire. It's been his binge game of late. But holy fuck, I hate the slime balls for slime and this flying fucks for only taking half damage. I know exactly who he's talking about. What enemies and games do you swear devs put in as a fuck you to the player? Hmm. Just like at large. Sure. Uh, I would say anything in like a random battle style game that does not allow you to escape the fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's always a fuck you. I hate that. Just let me leave, man. Like... Uh, if, if you if you want to stick with Play the Spire, I don't know if Mark's uh, gotten to uh, level three yet in the game, but uh, there's a creature in level three called the Writhing Mass that is just the most fucking annoying um, thing to fight in that game because every time you deal damage to it, uh, it changes what it's going to do that round. And it kind of like in terms of like how badly it's going to attack you. Or how many times can attack you, and it vacillates wildly between like manageable to like I'm gonna hit you for 40 damage, which is a lot for one attack. Or maybe I'll put a card in your deck that you can't remove. That's just a curse that just sits there and eats up space um, because I'm super annoying and the writhing mass sucks ass. Basically, if I have a smoke bomb to be able to escape a fight in that game, and I and I run up against the writhing mass, I'm just out automatically because yeah. I hate fucking dealing with it. It is the worst, absolute worst. Um, Casa says, directed at you, Carrie, how about those Paldean starter evolutions? <laughs> I really like Weed Cat's final evolution, uh, Meow Scarada. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, for the last few sort of generations, they've the, the way that the final evolutions for the starters have sort of played out is that they've all sort of had like a theme about mm-hmm. them. Um, so the theme with these three appear to be like stage performers. So Meowskarada is specifically described as a magician Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, Meowskarada uh, has very much a, a very cool, like confident personality about it when when in battle um, and also looks stoned as fuck. Um, <laughs> you know, Masquerada's face cracks me up. Um, that cat's really high. Um, <laughs> and then you have um, Quaxley's final evolution is a dancer mm-hmm. and just cracks me up like people were thinking Quaxley was going to evolve into something really cool um Quaxley's final evo looks like a fucking nerdy peacock doing a samba which is fun in its own right like <laughs> isn't, isn't Quaxley the Donald Trump looking thing when it's when it's in its starter form he's, he's got a little pompadour he's a little duck <laughs> with a pompadour um I don't think it's fair to compare it to Trump I, I think Quaxley's cute. I think his final evolution is cute. Um, and I haven't seen the, um, well, like I, I've seen, I haven't seen it in the game yet. Um, Fue Coco's uh, final evolution appears to be based on like an opera singer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm down with them. Um, they're not really what I expected any of them to evolve into, but I, that's part of the fun, right? Is, you know, you have a degree of surprise at the end of the day yeah. when you're playing a new Pokemon game, unless you delved into every single bit of the leaks to spoil everything for yourself. But I did not. I, I tried to avoid as many of the leaks as possible um, so that I could still have a sense of wonder playing a new Pokemon game. Uh, so I like them. 
Uh, Cam also asks, uh, do you think that we will ever get a fully or even partially voiced Pokemon title? I think we're heading in that direction. I think if the fact that we have a fully voiced Zelda game is evidence mm. enough. Um, I don't think that like I, I feel like they've, they've never said that they don't want to do that. Mm. So I, I don't I, I don't know if it's a budget thing or a time thing or anything like that. Obviously, you know, when you're voicing stuff, you do have to pay your voice actors. So that does add a certain level of, um, you know, well, budget. Also, uh, not only that, but audio like just adds a shitload of data to the game. Yeah, as it's, well, it's so. a lot of data. And um, it's like, OK, cool. Are, are you going to do just one? Are, are we doing English across the board mm-hmm. or? Pokemon's available in um, a dozen different languages. So are you going to voice them in a dozen different languages? So I understand why particularly such a text-heavy game as Pokemon um, hasn't had voice acting yet because logistically I feel like that would be a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I have no doubt in my mind that we will eventually have characters voiced in Pokemon and uh, never... Ricky, Ricky uh, wraps it up with the uh, saying Argentina all the way in the World Cup. Uh, he thinks Mexico is going to lose in the round of 16. Um, and he stopped flying the matches, but their away kit is bomb. Mexico always has um, really good kits. It makes me sad to have to root against them um, because they are always very good looking. Um, I picked England uh, to go all the way. I think it's going to be an England-Germany final. Uh, and I think that the three Lions uh, will somehow not fuck it up and manage to pull it out. Uh, at the breath there, but England always finds ways to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory when it comes to international soccer <laughs> tournaments. So that's probably a foolish, foolish prediction. Um, that is it. Thank you guys for the late entries to the post office. We completely Very forgot late, about like asking for it. Mid-show. <laughs> Um, but we uh, we do appreciate you getting those getting those in there again. Go to densepixels.com slash fans to join our Discord um, as Twitter slowly descends into the ninth circle oh of hell. God, it is madness, and I'm enjoying every second of it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna want to come hang out with us more uh, in Discord. So make sure you do that if you haven't done so already. Uh, as Carrie mentioned earlier, make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you download fine podcasts. You can also go to youtube.com slash densepixels and subscribe there as well. You can also go over to twitch.tv slash densepixel, subscribe to the show. And hey, while you're there, subscribe subscribe to Carrie's channel at Sup It's Carrie. Subscribe to Terrence at Apparition 410. Subscribe to me at Brad, And that's all we have to plug. That's our show this week. I have one more thing to plug. Oh, that's right. You because have my orchestra yeah. has two shows coming up. Uh, our Oops All Indies program uh, is uh, next weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. We will be debuting our first of two shows. Uh, Oops All Indies is, accordingly, an all indies program. So uh, we have a fucking banger of a set list for you. Um, we've got Deltarune. We've got Paradise Killer. We've got Journey. We've got Stardew Valley. We've got Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. We've got Overcooked. We've got Hades. Like, the Hades piece we have is, uh, we're, we're doing In the Blood. I'll just fucking mm-hmm. spoil it. We're doing In the Blood and it rules. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a really, really, really fun time. Um, so December 2nd at 7 p.m. at the Sollers Point Multipurpose Center in Dundalk. Um, and then the following weekend, December 10th, which is a Saturday at 1 p.m. downtown at the Baltimore War Memorial. Both of these shows are totally free to attend. They are both family friendly engagements. 
You can bring your kids to come out and enjoy some video game music. We do run visuals with the music as well. So it's a whole experience. Um, we've been working really hard on this program. I have two pieces on this program that I arranged myself and uh, couldn't be more proud of uh, how things are sounding uh, already. So I uh, really hope to see some of you guys there again. December 2nd and December 10th, uh, or you can just head to facebook.com slash Baltimore GSO to learn more. So hope to see you guys there. If you are in America, enjoy your Turkey Day this week. Uh, shop small businesses on Saturday and buy a shitload of discounted video games uh, this weekend, especially at densepixels.com uh, slash Amazon, which is the antithesis <laughs> of small business. But hey, uh, for every dollar you spend on there, spend a dollar with a local small business and help them as well over the weekend. Thank you guys very much for watching and listening. We'll see you all the next time. See ya.